0: This is a Yellow Wave production. Have you ever found yourself out in public or somewhere doing something and then all of a sudden you're just terrified because you realize that you're so vulnerable, even though you're just living your life? I used to and I still do all the t- I do this all the time. even before these shootings were happening so much more often or at least being publicized and made aware of via media, I was I was already at that place like I was already trying i'd be in class like what would i do if a shooter came in if i'm at the mall i'm just constantly aware of that as a possibility even before it was like an actually known possibility so picture yourself in class and you're in like a bigger lecture hall if if you can imagine that i'm sure most of you have been in the same situation but if not just picture like an auditorium sized class full of people and you're there, and then somebody comes in and starts shooting. How terrifying. And what do you do? What do you do? On February 14th, 2008, at 3.06 p.m., Stephen Kasmerzak entered Cole Hall, which is a large auditorium-style lecture hall, at Northern Illinois University and started shooting. Cole Hall was filled with 150 to 200 students at the time, all who were attending probably what they considered just another day of oceanography class. Kazmirzak used a Remington 870 shotgun. I, I don't know much about guns, so I probably sound like an idiot and I'm not even saying that correctly, but I've... Pretty much met my quota of shit to care about today, and this doesn't even make the list. So moving along. Uh, He also used three handguns, a 9mm Glock, a 9mm Six Hour, and a .380 High Point. Again, I'm probably saying that wrong, whatever. The shotgun was smuggled in using a guitar case, and the handguns were concealed under his coat. You've got to remember, or let me fill you in if you're not from Illinois or have never been, this happened during winter in DeKalb, which is actually colder and windier than Chicago. So truly, I when I say this, I mean it. It's brutal. It's the worst. The worst. It's not at all shocking that he was able to hide three handguns in a shotgun. And that fact alone is terrifying to me. At the time of the shooting, Kaz was a graduate student in the School of Social Work at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, but he was also a former NIU sociology graduate. He was an alumni. Extra bone-chilling factor right there. NIU police chief Donald Grady actually described him as, in quotes, an outstanding student who apparently had recently stopped taking medication and became, again, in quotes, somewhat erratic. Um, Personally, I would love to know what that even means because I'm pretty sure I become somewhat erratic a couple times a day, at least, if not during the week, a couple times. It's called hanger and it's real. Look it up. A total of 24 people were shot, six of whom died. Five of those who passed away were students, and one of them was Kazmierczak when he shot himself before police arrived. Usually how that goes. One witness reported that at least 30 shots were fired, but police later collected 48 shell casings and six shotgun shells. By February 15th, which is the day after, remember, at least seven of the victims were in critical condition. One was in good condition, what does that even mean? Like what is the criteria for good? And then one was in stable condition, so obviously good is like in between the two, I'm guessing? Uh, And then eight victims were discharged. And this is all according to Kishwaukee Community Hospital, which, fun fact, this is a hospital somewhat close to the campus and it's actually where I ended up one evening, and by evening I mean I think it was after midnight. It was horrible. I spent hours in pain. And then my sorority sisters finally said, like they pretty much put me in the car and took me there during a snowstorm because it was that bad. But I ended up there with gastroenteritis. And for sure, that was the most pain I've ever been in. And the only time I've been in more pain was when Augie was born. And that wasn't even normal pain. So, But then again, this episode's not about me. So just a little fun fact for you. Uh, Two of the wounded were transferred by helicopter to Rockford's St. Anthony Medical Center. Three were helicoptered to Downer Grove's Good Samaritan Hospital, and one was flown to a Rockford Memorial Hospital. Two patients who had been hospitalized died as a result of their injuries. So then let's go back to the actual day of the shooting. By 4 p.m., the shooting happened at 3.06. So by 4 p.m., school officials announced that there was no further danger and that counselors would be made available in all residence halls. Personally, I will never forget the inability to reach anyone for hours after this. Even after it was cleared as no more danger, no one knew what was going on. No one could get a hold of anyone, and that's the worst... because everyone was on their phones so obviously some people were getting through or i don't even know how that works like how it like just blocks up it's actually concerning i'm hoping that that's not the case anymore it is 2020 throwing that in there but i don't know i just find that when there's ever like actually here's a good example uh corn fest which uh, yeah i know my town has a festival of corn every year and it's like the biggest deal ever so embarrassing, but it is what it is. And we live right downtown. So that weekend, the week and weekend of it, I could not use my phone at home for the life of me. Like if there was an emergency, we were fucked. Like could not get any service, could not get any outgoing messages, calls, nothing. Couldn't get anything coming in because of the usage of everybody there on their phones. So apparently it's not been corrected, but I just, I'm telling you right now, it was the scariest, worst, nail-biting, like, most crazy, anxious time of my life. And that's something that, like, kind of like 9-11, like, when something like that happens that's so big in your life, you will never forget how you felt, what you were doing, where you were at, what you were wearing, what the people around you were wearing, I can, I can just, if I let myself think about when this happened, I can go right back there right now. And it's, oh, it's the worst. What does the aftermath of something like this super twisted Valentine's Day school shooting even look like? That's what we all want to know, right? There, there are no words. There's no way to describe it. It's, it's just a cluster, basically. The trauma, fear, the flashbacks, the loss, the emptiness, the fullness of everything, the confusion. It was a very trying time for so many people. A total of six people. Coincidentally, all six of these people were residents of Illinois, prior to enrolling at NIU, which is kind of crazy, but it also makes sense. Catalina Garcia, 20 years old, from Cicero. Juliana Gahant, 32, from Mendota. By the way, real quick, these names, I'm doing my best. I may or may not mispronounce them. There are several that I know for sure I'm pronouncing correctly, and there are some that I'm not sure. Take it with a grain of salt, because what's important to me is not the way I pronounce pronunciate <laughs> the way I pronounce their names, but the way I remember each person because what matters is not their name so much as the person or the way their name is said, if that makes sense. So bear with me, I'm doing my best. Um, the thing about Juliana that I love is she it was 32, I'm 32, um, but this isn't about me, all I'm saying is. NIU was that kind of school where it's one of the largest commuting schools, I think in the U.S. It could just be Illinois, but basically it has high numbers of commuting students. So there's a, a lot of people who obviously live on campus, but there are a lot of people who commute and she had to have been one of them. I don't know this for sure, but either way, I love hearing about a, an older, in quotes, person going to school fearlessly and I I just I can't get enough of that unfortunately her story ended this way but there are thousands others like her and I just wish I wish I could have met her she seems awesome then we have Ryan Mace 19 years old from Carpentersville Gail Dubowski 20 years old from Carol Stream Daniel Parmenter 20 years old from Elmhurst do me a favor and remember all of these names, but remember this one, Daniel Parmenter, specifically for a side story like I promised you earlier in a minute or two or five or 10 or however long it takes to do this story justice. But just remember this name because it will come up in a little bit. The last death would be that of Stephen Kasmerzek, 27 years old, living in Champaign. I would say give a moment of silence, but that's way too long on a podcast. So what I'll do is just reiterate the fact that these are people who died that day. They are no longer with us. Simply because they went to a class that they were expected to be at in college. That's that's not okay. It's not okay and it's scary. It's terrifying. The list of injured is a bit longer, but it's also... If you think about it, incomplete, because again, there were so many victims that are impossible to tally each experience, each memory, each memory of this day. I just said that. I'm sorry. I'm just like, it's, I'm trying to get this point across the fact that there are more victims than there are actual victims. Like these victims here, hundred percent need to be talked about but so do the other people affected because of this whole thing that happened. It's a ripple effect that ricochets out into the world in so many different directions that there's no way that we can even measure it. Because even years later after it happens and you get to know somebody, or not even just this situation, but any situation, traumatic situation, after years after it happens and you get to know somebody, And then you're like, oh shit, that happened to you, or you're the one impacting somebody else from something that happened to you. And it, it, it hits them as if it was something that happened when they knew you at the time, but they didn't meet you until recently. Just that's only one variable. And there are millions, millions, millions. So that may actually, that made me listen. I'm going to sprinkle in some laughs throughout this because we all need it, especially me to get through this shit that makes me think of the Donald Trump meme where it's actually like a video meme. So it says in writing and meme style, the amount of money I've spent on my dog. And then there's clips of Donald Trump going millions and 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 millions. Just clips of him saying millions, throughout his, whatever you want to call it, presidency, if that's what we're going with. But, uh, <laughs> that just made me think of that. Anyways, I hope that made you laugh because you're going to need it. This is just, the shit is, it's dark. It always, but this, this one's a little too close. But I had to do it before Valentine's Day because if I try to do it around the time it happened, I would, it wouldn't, it would not be okay. So moving right along. Like I said, the list of the injured is way, 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 way too long, way too many people I can't even talk about because there are people I don't even know about that has been affected by this. Um, and that sucks. It's crazy, but it sucks. Then again, though, everyone on this list, I'm going to bring it back to the facts, was a, um, not participant, was <laughs> said participant. They were a participant of Illinois. Uh, some of us who live here are not very participant, and I am one of those people. These people on this list of injured were also all residents of Illinois. Again, not that crazy, because we're talking about a university in Illinois, but I find it a little bit small, like a small little bit of me is very freaked the fuck out by that fact. Like, that's super eerie. Because you're telling me that after everything, after the tally was counted, not one of those people weren't from Illinois. Like, that's just, statistically, it might make sense, but it's also like a, it's freaky. So we have Amanda Benoit, 20 years old, from Kankakee. Nicole Burns, no age was provided. She's from DeKalb, so she's a local girl. Troy, Troy, sorry, Troy Chamberlain. Oh my God, I have done this section a hundred times and there's always something that messes up and I'm not even going to fix this. It was meant to be Troy Chamberlain, 19 years old from Sycamore. So he's also local because Sycamore is not even 10 minutes away. In fact, the other than the one store in DeKalb, if you wanted to go to like for all the essentials, you would go to Sycamore because it's that close. It's like, think of, damn, I I don't want to give away too much about my town, so I'm not going to say my comparison, but think about a town 10 minutes away from you that you either go to to shop for the essentials or people come to you to shop for the essentials. That was Sycamore for DeKalb. Then we have Lauren Brower, 19 years old, from Lake Barrington. So Lauren was my sorority sister at Northern. We were Sigma Kappas or maybe are. I mean, I'm not even sure about how that works because that was just a time in my life that I'm not saying I throw away and forget about, but I don't, I don't like tell people I'm a Sigma Kappa. I'm 32. I'm not a Sigma Kappa, but it was. And whether you think that's silly or not, I used to think the same thing everyone who's ever been in a sorority or fraternity says that. I used to think it was stupid and then I found it. Like who cares? It is what it is. Hate it, love it, doesn't matter that has no bearing on this story, just deal with it because I'm trying to give you some inside information and this is a part of it. Um so here's the thing that's really messed up. It the whole story, obviously, but That name I told you earlier to remember, Daniel Parmenter, so he was Lauren's boyfriend, and he was a Pike, which is the house right next door to Sigma Kappa. Like, we literally shared a side yard, and our back decks, our parking lots were actually connected, ours and the Pikes, and then I think Sigma Nu was connected too, or if not, they were close by, either way, irrelevant, but... What's unfortunate and kind of wild about this is, as you know, the date of this situation, it was the 14th, it was Valentine's Day. So this class was Lauren's class. Uh, Daniel actually wasn't even a student, like he wasn't enrolled in this class. He was just being the badass boyfriend that he was to her and was there with her to spend Valentine's Day together super cute hallmark movie written it's got a hallmark movie written all over it minus the twisted dark ending so he is one of the ones who died if you remember so he was at this class that he wasn't even technically supposed to be at but he was there with lauren who he wanted to be nowhere else just with her adorable well when they say that lauren was injured it's more than that. She wasn't just injured. The girl has a huge scar on her chest because if I remember, I, you guys, I'm, get, I'm if I get this wrong, I'm sorry, but it, it's, I've got the basics down, okay? If I remember correctly, the bullet was in her chest, um, and I want to say he jumped in front of her and protected her from one of the shots, and that's what killed him, and then... She did end up getting shot in the chest, which is fatal, as we know. But there's a scar on, on her heart because she had surgery. She was one of those flown away because she had some serious surgery and they were able to save her, which is in and of itself a fucking miracle. But I'll tell you right now, it has not been easy for her or for anyone else involved. Okay. I'm not trying to focus on Daniel and her alone. It's just that those were two that I actually, I didn't know him. I knew her. Those were two people that I actually knew her directly, him because of her. And so I feel like it's, I've got to at least share that because their story matters. What happened to them matters. And it's not something to just think about once a year when this time comes around. It's not something to look at her with pity or I don't even know what I'm trying to say. It's so much more than that day for her and for everyone. It's something that's always there, whether it's talked about, discussed or not. It's like, a sh- it's like until it's this time of year when it's coming up and getting closer and closer and closer. And until Valentine's Day, it's just like the shadow, this heavy shadow that's always there. And what I'm doing right now with sharing the story is, isn't about bringing light to that, but it, I mean, I feel like just think about that when you talk to her or somebody else or anybody who's experienced trauma, be sensitive to that. Think about the questions you're asking and how you're asking them and think about the things you say and most, mostly just like be understanding Like, don't be that person who's like, are you okay, blah, 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 unless you're that person who's close enough and can ask that without having a motive, but just know that whether or not you're aware of the person in front of you whenever you're talking to a person, whether you're at the store or it's a friend or what, we've all been through shit and you don't know what their shit is. It could be something like this, which is heavy and dark and hard to deal with forever Or it could be something that's also heavy and dark and hard to deal with forever, but on a much lighter scale. Either way, it hurts and it's painful. So you have to remember that. Someone always has it worse than you. Someone always has it better than you. That doesn't make you or them or the other less than or better than or more important. It makes us all on even playing ground. And if you haven't gone through something like that yet, you will. I'm not here to be a pessimist, but it's going to happen because that's what makes us. That's what breaks us. And that's what makes us. And we grow from that. And it's life. It's a par- it's a part, it's the price of being a human being. It's the human experience. And it looks different for everyone, but it's there for us all. So take that with a grain of salt. And I don't know. I. I feel like I'm right at the cusp of getting to what I want to say, but I just can't quite reach it. So I'm going to go ahead and take a quick break. I will be back. I just need to get out a little message from a sponsor. They're all important to me. I don't take on sponsors that aren't important to me. So know that you're not going to hear any bullshit on here. And if you think it's bullshit, that's fine. You have that right. But I never do a sponsorship that I'm not 100% on board with. So knowing that, enjoy the next message that comes up, and I will be back to finish off the list of injured and the rest of the story of this horrible, horrible day. The top 10 things people claim to have taken for granted when they were alive. How important they were to so many. How easy life was when they stopped struggling. That all their prayers and thoughts made a difference. That there really were no coincidences. How far ripples of kindness actually spread. What really was important. Happiness, friends, love. That any and all dreams can come true. How good looking and fun they always were how much guidance they received at all times. That love was fully present in everything, always. As expressed by the recently departed, fresh after their life review on the big, big screen. Ah, the universe. P.S. There's still time, Brit. Are you interested in signing up for notes from the universe? You will get them daily and as of recently, weekends included. If you are interested or a little bit curious, check it out at www.tut, that's T-U-T dot com. For everyone in the back, www.tut, T-U-T com. Enjoy. Then we have Samantha Denner, 20 years old, from Carol Stream. J.D. Donahue, 19 years old, Rolling Meadows. Ryan Erickson, 20 years old, Des Brian Carps, 27 years old, Rolling Meadows. Patrick Carellis, 22 years old, Lindenhurst. Jeff Molina, no age is provided, he's from Glenview. Harold N- Nigg. NG, I'm so sorry. I feel very insensitive right now. I don't know how to pronounce that. I know I have in the past. I apologize. Harold is just as important as everyone else. I am so sorry, but I'm just trying to do everyone justice, and I might not pronounce everything correctly. As I previously warned you, uh, Harold was 21 years old. Is 21. No, he was 21 years old, and he's from MandaLine. Joseph Peterson 26 years old, from DeKalb. He was the course instructor. Um, That's crazy. 20, like a fucking baby. A baby. That's just wild. Unam Raman, 19 years old, from Plainfield. Maria Ruiz Santana, 19 years old, from Elgin. Jerry Santoni, 22 years old, from Frankfurt. Jeremy Walker, 20 years old, from Caledonia, and Sherman Yao, 20 years old, from Naperville. As with everything, especially things that are a cluster, just like this school shooting, there are some inconsistencies that I can't necessarily get to the bottom to. For example, um, oh, okay, this makes sense. So, well, could make sense. First of all, I feel like I want to be as accurate as possible. So apparently this started at 3.05 p.m., not 3.06. The first 911 call of an active shooter was reported at 3.06 p.m. So maybe it was 3.06 and they were able to get on the phone ASAP. I don't know for sure. I just wanted to put that out there that it was possibly 3.05 p.m. that it started. Um, Another thing is... They, the one article, like there's so many articles out there about this, obviously, just like there is with any crime. Um, the one was saying that 23 people total were shot, six of whom died, including the perpetrator, Stephen Kasmirzak. And then another article talks about this girl, this who's now a woman that we never even heard about in the first one as far as injured. But I'm guessing that's because she wasn't injured by a gunshot. So it says one of the victims, student Maria Christensen, was critically struck in the face and neck. I'm guessing that critically struck means maybe in the panic of exiting or if somebody pushed her or if she fell or if a bullet whizzed by her and she ducked it. Who knows? I mean, she knows, but this article and all the other ones don't specify And she, as you know now, was not a name on the list of injured, but I want to mention her because what's interesting is she survives and later on becomes an officer of the NIU police department. And I just, I'm like tearing up because I'm a sucker for that shit. That's so beautiful and amazing that she took this experience and let it push her to good. And I hope she's kicking ass and kicking. I'm like trying not to cry right now. I hope she's kicking ass and and taking names because I just think that's amazing. I really do. But she is not on that list of injured. And then I counted the list I just talked to you about all of their names, and they all added up, including the perpetrator, to 23 people. So I'm guessing she wasn't shot with a gun at any point, but like her injury was still not, um, light, like it was a bad one and she did survive, but I'm so curious as to what happened, but it doesn't matter because she's here and she did something with that. It affected her in enough of a way to go on. And who knows if that was her plan or not. It doesn't matter. I just think that's beautiful. I really do. And I hope you do too. Just a little, just trying to sprinkle in some Not even good, just like to keep you guys from completely falling into the depths of what humans can do to one another because it is rough out there. And I want to bring light to all this, but I don't want to bring anybody down so much that they just can't see the good. As I just mentioned and kind of cleared up maybe. the first 911 call of an active shooter was reported at 30:6 pm. Seven seconds later, NIU police officers were notified by the dispatcher. At 30:6 pm and 33 seconds, NIU police officers Ayala and Zimbrov, Zimbarov, sorry, I'm getting a little excited, responded and told dispatchers that they were in the area. Driving northbound on Normal Road near Swen Parson Hall, they encountered students running east from the Martin Luther King Commons area. One student shouted, he's shooting over there, pointing west towards the MLK Commons area. Officer Hodder was also driving in the area and encountered the same frenzy. The officers proceeded in their vehicles, then on foot, joining Chief Grady Lieutenant Mitchell, and Lieutenant Hennert, who had reached the west side of the Commons area after coming directly from the police station. Also racing to Cole Hall from the police station were Sergeant Ellington and Officer Wright. Sergeant Holland was on patrol just south of the area along Lincoln Highway when he heard the call come in and approached the area. I'm just picturing, real quick, side note, sidebar, listening to the scanner, as a professional, like a police officer, or what I do when I have always done whenever I hear siren, this is called anxiety, by the way, little story about anxiety, um, which was not based on this. Like this did not cause the anxiety for me. I've always been this way. I've always done this. It's, it's, a, uh, I I mean, I've gotten better about it, but when I hear sirens, um, And it's weird because it's not like one or two because usually that's an ambulance and they usually pass by where I work and I'm just like, okay, that sucks, whatever. And I send my good thoughts, you better bet your butt I do. But when I hear like more than one or when I hear a couple or when I hear like back to back to back, it's just like something in me knows when to turn that on just to make sure because I'm always terrified that. My husband is in an accident or somebody I love and is is in an accident like my mom or my dad or my sister. I mean, so many family members, but like those are the ones that come to mind right away. Or that my house is on fire. And and you guys, this is, I'm not kidding you. This is real. This is why I turn on my scanner every time I feel like that's too many sirens. I don't like this. It's called anxiety. However, I can just imagine working or having a moment where I hear all these sirens like one after another, you know, once people are picking up these calls, I would have turned my scanner on if I were there at the time because I was actually working in Morris again, commuting school. Uh, so I was at work when this happened and I will never forget that, which we'll get into later. I'm getting sidetracked easy to do when you're so worked up. Um, I can imagine turning on my my siren, you guys, This is real life. And you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not re-recording this. I don't want to do it. I just want to get through this and like calm myself down. So I could imagine being a police officer, driving around on patrol, doing the thing, you know, every day looks different, but in a way they look the same for the most part. Hopefully that there's not like some, so, like so many crazy things that happen that they all look that crazy different, but imagine hearing that dispatcher notification, like shooter, and you're where you always are, nearby. (sighs) I can't. I feel like my adrenaline would kick in and it would be like a sheet would fall down and like that switch would turn off where it's no thinking, no emotions, respond, Like, natural training, just like what you were trained to do, and then that's it. And then you'd think about the rest of it later. And it's just like, it's crazy. So, moving right along. Okay, so to take it, just to bring everybody back. In the MLK Commons, Chief Grady advised the officers to immediately begin attending to victims and identify witnesses and direct them to a room in Holmes Student Center where they could be interviewed. Some of the officers began attending to injured students who were running from the scene. (sighs) Again, like, bear with me. I am taking as deep breaths as I can. I'm just, like, so terrified. Going right back to when this all happened, even though I was not there. I was in Morris working. Ugh. I just remember seeing everything and knowing the layout and going there. Like, it's just, it's surreal. And it's not something that you expect to see at your school. So while Henner established perimeters around Cole Hall, Mitchell and Grady entered the building. Again, fucking terrifying, where they met with Holland, Ellington, and Wright. Ellington, the first officer to arrive on the scene, evacuated the adjacent auditorium and met with the other officers in the front walkway. Howland was instructed to remain in the hallway to ensure no one came into the auditorium and that the shooter did not come out. Grady, Mitchell, Ellington, and Wright entered the south auditorium, discovering a body on the stage, surrounded by guns, with a pool of blood coming from the head. Victims with varying injuries lay on the floor or were propped up against the seats. Confirming there were no immediate threats, Grady and Mitchell began attending to victims, while Ellington and Wright confirmed that the shooter was dead. At 3.11 and 42 seconds, five minutes after the first 911 call, Ellington reported to the dispatcher, Shooters down, shotguns secure, we need an ambulance, and the coroner at Cole Hall. That entire sentence took everything inside of me not to like lose it, because for so many reasons. So, picture being these officers and you come in and you see somebody on the stage with guns all around them and blood coming out of their head and there are people who are injured and dead, but the ones who are injured are just like almost. I picture. I don't. This is me conjecture. Like this is conjecture. This is me picturing them feeling like. Relief or, like, okay, the threat is gone. Like, I could if I had to, if the threat was still here, I would get the fuck out of Dodge, but I don't have to. Like, it tells me, like, if I were running into that, I'd be like, this has to be the shooter for the very reason with the guns, but not always. I'm just, I'm not assuming that, but seeing people who injured who could leave, but like, probably were so traumatized and knew they were that the threat was gone, there was no more trouble, like just collapsed to basically get their ground beneath them, like get their bearings because of everything that just happened. But also, I'm so amazed that five minutes after the first 911 call, they not only were at the scene, they were in the room, like that is basically i would think something you can only see in a bigger city and or a college campus to be honest and i think that is amazing and that's comforting despite the fact that it's not comforting at all because this shit like this still could happen i am amazed that so many people were able to get there and have a plan and just like move 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 basically like no time to even take a second thought like get here and just there was no discussion like standing around they just got there and went forward in one fluid movement and I think that's so impressive and it's comforting despite the fact that it's not comforting at all because no one can do a thing after the fact but who knows like he if if were any other situation where they were just like on the edge and not act, actually like actively shooting? It just five minutes response time to have everyone there and having a plan and moving forward and doing the damn thing is impressive to me. So at the same time that officers arrived at Cole Hall, Sergeant Rodman, who had left a meeting at the home student center, arrived at the west entrance of that building to find a shooting victim who had been shot in the back and the head along with another victim who had blood on the face, seeking help for his injured friend. Rodman attended to the most severely wounded victim. That's called triage, by the way. It's well known in, I'm sure with police, but also with ER or just like any situation, triage. Actually, what comes to mind is the movie Pearl Harbor. Or I don't know if that's what it's called, but that movie about Pearl Harbor with Josh Hartman, you guys have to know it. If not, look it up. But basically, the women after the bombing in Hawaii, they come out with lipstick. And they basically are marking, like, dead, gonna die, we actually can save this person. And you can see these women, the nurses going out there doing this, losing their shit when they come across somebody who maybe in another scenario they could have helped. But because of the fact that there's so many people... And this person without immediate attention, like right here, right now, within the next five seconds is going to die. They have to mark them and move on. Like, can you imagine? That's just so terrifying. And that's kind of what was happening here. By 3.11 p.m., a DeKalb Fire Department ambulance was the first to arrive on the scene and was staged in a nearby parking lot. The parking lots near the field house were used as a staging area for ambulances and fire trucks that arrived from throughout the region. At 3.13 p.m., Sergeant Ellington advised that there were at least two deaths. Officers encountered several problems, including a piercing fire alarm that had been pulled, as well as very high radio traffic and static that made it hard to hear radio calls come in. In addition, due to conflicting reports, which includes the presence of a shooter at Founders Memorial Library and the multitude of injured victims at various buildings around campus, because remember, they were running and escaping, but like, I know I would just keep running. Like, don't look back, go, go, go. And where I would run is different than where the person next to me, if they were injured equally and running to where they went. Like, no one knows. Everywhere, literally every direction. So it's confusing because it's like, is there, are there multiple shooters? I get this. This is terrifying. Um, so officers were required to obviously check multiple sites to rule out the possibility of multiple shooters and multiple shooting sites. Injured victims began appearing at Neptune Hall, which is just north of Cole Hall and DuSable Hall, which DuSable Hall is west of Cole Hall. So they're showing up at Neptune Hall north of Cole and then DuSable Hall west of Cole. At 321 p.m. as personnel arrived from the DeKalb Fire Department, DeKalb County's Sheriff's Office, DeKalb Police Department, and Sycamore Police Department. Remember how I said Sycamore is that town like that you go shopping at like real close? Um, officers advised that the scene and perimeter of Cole Hall were secure and that it was safe for emergency personnel to proceed to the shooting site and to the sites of the injured victims. Like, everybody, we're safe. Get in here. Help out. So then, it's now 3.34 p.m. And there was a sweep done at Founders Library, which they determined that Neptune and Disable were not shooting sites. So they declared that whole area safe. Police officers established a reception area for law enforcement personnel at Wirtz Hall and an investigative command center at Holmes Student Center. By 4 o'clock p.m. Central Time, obviously, school officials announced that there was no further danger. Like, everyone's safe, we're good, we checked everything. They also said that, like I mentioned earlier, counselors would be made available in all residence halls. <music> So now we're going to talk about Stephen, Philip Kazmierczak himself, and his personal life, his education, possible motives, and then next week, we will be focusing on the reaction, and hopefully bringing it back to all the good that came out of it, because I mean, it's so hard to even say that, because I can't imagine being a parent who lost somebody or a friend, or a girlfriend, or a boyfriend, it just a brother, a sister, it's, it's heart, no matter what we do with this, it's heartbreaking and it was unnecessary and it is, it's horrible. But there's also when something like that happens, as much as it sucks to get over that, and I'm not saying get over that, but like to see the good or the impact or just, just try to bring out the gift in it, which it, I hate, I can't even fucking say that. To look at everyone coming together and the things people did to try to make such a wrong right, which is impossible, it's, it's moving, it's beautiful in the most ugliest of situations. And so I want to focus on that next week. I want to focus on that right now, but there's no way to get through all of this. And I want to do this story. Ju- I want to do them all justice, but this one is important. I'm doing this one justice, and that's what it's going to take. So Stephen Kasmirzak Mirzak was born on August 26th in 1980. He died on February 14th of 2008. He was born in Elk Grove Village, Illinois. He was a student at the University of Illinois, at the time of the shooting, but he was a former student, as we know, at Northern Illinois University. So he graduated from Elk Grove High School in 1998, during which time he was treated temporarily for mental illness at the Elk Grove Village Threshold's Mary Hill House Psychiatric Center. That's a freaking mouthful. Uh, for being, in quotes, unruly at home, according to his par- parents, Gail and Robert Kazmerzak. He was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder as a teenager. He later went on to study sociology at Northern Illinois University, and even though his family did end up moving to Florida in 2004, Kazmirzak continued his education in Illinois. Personally, I would have said, peace out, goodbye, gone, Florida, here we come, whatever. He enlisted in the United States Army in September of 2001 and was discharged before completing basic training in February of 2002 for lying on his application about his mental illness. His mother died in Lakeland, Florida, in September of 2006, which if you remember, 2006 is when he graduated from NIU, and I just, I don't know, I feel like... I am not trying to reach for anything, but though that's a huge moment when your mother died, like so young, which she died from Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, as we know with the ice bucket challenge over the pet. Was that a couple summers ago? I mean, I'm really bad with time, but we all know that like the, the ice bucket challenge was raising money for that. And it's not, it's not easy. No disease is easy. No disease is pretty, but like that is such a horrifying, debilitating disease. and to see your mother of like everything die in 2006 from that has gotta be traumatic. At the time of Steven's death when he went on this shooting rampage, his father was living in a retirement community in Lakeland, Florida. You are all gonna have to bear with me because I just found something to lighten the mood. You are welcome. If you have an iPhone, go into your settings, find battery, and then you can either choose like scroll past, like low power mode, recent usage, battery health, and do either last 24 hours or last 10 days. And you can see where you spend your time. It's crazy, kind of scary, but also it makes sense that we should be able to do that. It's like, here's the thing though do you want to know or do you want to stay in oblivion? I want a mixture of both, but <laughs> what can you say? I am so curious. So I did it. I'm not surprised actually by my results at all. So I spend most of my time in Kindle. 100% I expected that. I honestly expected to see even more percentage than, you, than I did. So Kindle, Spotify, 13%, not surprised. Camera, 13%, Anchor, 10%, Google, 8%. So, Kindle, I'm reading my books. I read a book a day, at least. Spotify, I have to have my music. Camera, I'm always taking pictures. Anchor, working on the podcast. Google, looking shit up. From here on out is where it's like more social media type stuff. So, 6% Instagram. 5% 5% photos, which makes sense. Uh, 4% word swag, which is how I crop and find photos and edit them and stuff. 4% messages, 3% nest. I've been on nest a lot lately because I'm trying to get the heat on and then also see what my son is doing on our camera. Uh, 2% home and lock screen. Got to check that time. 2% Facebook. Facebook's, eh, it's, it's Okay. Uh, Alta 2% because I'm trying to order some new shit. App Store 1% because I'm trying to find out my music maker, which if you guys haven't noticed that I take pride in my music on the episodes, maybe pay attention because I work my ass off on the whole podcast, but especially the music. The music is so important to me. It always has been. And it's so time consuming. And... The app store recently, the only reason I'm on that is because I'm checking for an update for my music app because it's, it's fritzing out. I can't record and I got two new, uh, not tracks like bundles that I am just chomping at the bit to record with. And I can't do it because every time I record, no matter how long or how short I do it, it, as soon as I hit end, it fritzes out. And I'll tell you right now, the first three times that happened, I could have cried. I might've cried. Um, it is what it is. Also, I just ate a hell. Okay. So Jersey Mike's obsessed. So they have these sandwiches that are, you can get a normal sandwich or you can get a big mega sandwich, which is two normal sandwiches. I just ate a mega sandwich minus one section. So a normal sandwich plus a section of another sandwich do i feel any shame no it was amazing and i don't regret it but i do regret the fact that i have to move on and i can no longer distract myself it's time to get going so back to it i guess i feel like i am in school right now no pun intended and okay oh okay so, no pun was intended. However, the next thing we're going to talk about is his education. So, Kasmerzek graduated from NIU in 2006, as I mentioned before, where he received the Dean's Award and was considered a standout, well regarded student. Campus police describe him as a fairly normal and unstressed person. Faculty, students, and staff revered him, and there was no indication of any trouble. NIU President John G. Peters said that he had a very good academic record and no record of trouble. Kazmerzak was vice president of the NIU chapter of the American Correctional Association. He had also written about the U.S. correctional system, specifically prisons. Also in 2006, Kazmerzak, along with two other graduate students and under the lead authorship... Wait, what? Hold on. Am I let me just take a second uh along with two other graduate students and under the lead authorship of oh okay so Kazmierczak along with two other grad uh, that's what I thought bear with me I just I read it in a way that I didn't understand I'm not sure anyways Kasmerzak along with two other students from his class And under the lead authorship of a sociology professor, which is what he focused on, uh, co-authored an academic paper entitled Self-Injury in Correctional Settings, Pathology of Prisons or of Prisoners? It was published in the academic journal Criminology and Public Policy. Side note, you can bet your ass if I can get my hands on a copy of that, I'm going to read it. That actually does sound fascinating. Uh, he was enrolled at NIU in the spring of 2007, where he took two courses in Arabic and a course called Politics of the Middle East. His research paper was on the subject of Hamas and its social service projects. I don't know if I said that right. Bear, I'm, I'm not, bear with me. I keep saying that. I'm going to stop apologizing is what I'm going to do. He left to begin graduate work in the School of Social Work at the University of Illinois, where he intended to study mental health issues. He was enrolled part-time at the University of Illinois during the fall of 2007 and worked from September 24th through October 10th at the Rockville Correctional Facility for Women near the Illinois-Indiana border. His reasons for leaving were unclear. He simply, in quotes, did not come back to work. And that's according to Doug Garrison, who was in charge of the Indiana Department of Correction. By early 2008, at the time of the shooting, he was once again enrolled full time at the University of Illinois. Um, I'm going to do this next section, and then we're going to discuss the fact that You might right now be saying to yourself, like, oh, there were red flags everywhere, blah, 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 or something of the sort. There were not at all in any way, shape, or form, and I'm going to prove that to you in just a few minutes. So bear with me. Oh, my God. I just said I wasn't going to say that again. It's like I'm self-sabotaging. I'm not editing I'm not gonna edit that out, or maybe I will. I don't know yet, I haven't decided. Honestly, if I don't, if I have enough time, I might, but I really don't think I will because I want, I'm not trying to be flustered, but I am flustered because it. I'm just so bothered by this. I've always been, duh. But I thought I was ready to talk about it, and here I am, I was working at the time. Like I've said twice now this is the third time I've said it and it still has me. So it's so it affects me. So I'm just, I feel like I need to leave all of my rambling and excuses and apologies in here because I just need you guys to know, like don't feel bad for me at all. Not for a single fucking second, but do realize that I am a human just like everybody else and this is not easy to talk about but I'm doing it because it needs to be talked about so I'll be right back I'm going to finish up that last section and then we're going to talk about why you don't you 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 can't you can't judge a book by its cover one way or another You, you just can't do it stay tuned you'll find out why in just a few Everybody talk but they got nothing to say. Everybody drink, but the problem's here to stay. Let it all go. Oh Are you equally parts free spirit and super responsible and do not want to take risks? Do you love tattoos but cannot comprehend committing to something so permanent? Well, then you might want to take a look at Inkbox because they've got your back. This is like the craziest thing. I, I, I'm i so glad there's a company now that's finally doing this. It's amazing. I mean, it's almost 2020. This is a, it's about time, Inkbox. You know what I mean? So basically what this is, is you can go on to www.inkbox.com. That's I-N-K-B-O-X.com and you can search 4,000 plus designs. You can create your own. I just said that, I did. All you artists out there, you can create your own tattoo. Or say you want something of someone near and dear to you, whatever, something that they write, have them write it out and there you go. Or say they're no longer here. Trace over it and send it in. You can do that with this. Or maybe you're just like, I want a tattoo, but I don't know for sure. We got you at Inkbox. Order whatever it is that you want. Go through all the artists they have. You can totally just make this your own in every single way, shape, and form. And then try it out, and then you'll know. And even if it's a hard no, then you might later on have an itch for another design. It doesn't matter. These tattoos will last for one to two weeks, They take 24 to 26 hours to fully develop and it's so easy. It's honestly if you remember being a kid and having those cool tattoos that would rub off basically the second that you touched it that's where it's different. The way you did it is pretty much the same. Every single design comes with super super easy directions. User-friendly. I mean it's you could do this with your eyes closed. It's awesome. I am so happy I found this company. I am ecstatic. I, I really can't wait because I have about 12 different designs always that I'm going back and forth on. I have two tattoos right now and while I don't necessarily regret them, I, I mean I kinda do, but I I would have done things differently had I had something like Inkbox in my life at the time. So Go check it out, www.inkbox.com. Again, that's I-N-K-B-O-X.com. You can thank me later. The official declaration for the motive of Stephen Kazmierczak was mental illness. And I couldn't agree more. I know that's feels like a, a cop-out right now. It's not, though. That's the thing. Like, tides are changing. Things are moving in the direction where this is becoming a well-known trigger, issue, reality. And it's a- it's accurate, okay? You might not like it, okay? I understand that. I understand that it feels incomplete. But it's really not. Because at the end of the day, in a really accurate and true, like if you just can take away all of the personal stuff and all of the feeling stuff, which I get it. It's next to impossible. But if you can do that, you can understand and see that this truly is, it's not okay. It's not an excuse, but he is just as much a victim as anybody else. And again, I am not saying that lightly, but mental illness is real it is severe and my hope is to not make people feel bad or like get upset about this in that way oh to where they feel defensive don't be please don't because this is taking everything I have to f- finish this episode and I still have part two next week which granted is a on a lighter note but it's still it hangs on me okay you need to understand this is not that's not what I'm saying it's just I we can't ignore this anymore. The shit's real, and it's it needs to be addressed accurately, and it needs to be addressed responsibly, and not shunned or shamed or turned away as fake or not real. I mean, I don't just fill in the blanks, but anyways, Stephen Kazmierczak. If you can't tell, I just, I have to move along. Uh, He died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound after the shooting ended, but before the police could arrive, obviously. ABC News reported that his behavior seemed to become more erratic in the weeks leading up to the shooting, and that it's believed he stopped taking medication beforehand. Obviously, they did some digging, so that's where this is coming from. I'm just, I'm just skipping all of that part, but just giving you the basics. His girlfriend, Jessica Batty, Beatty, my bad, confirmed that Kazmierczak was taking Xanax, which is an anti-anxiety medicine, Ambien, which is a sleep aid, and Prozac, which is an an antidepressant, all of which were prescribed to him by a psychiatrist. Side note, sidebar, Prozac, you take Prozac for a prolonged period, it actually changes your brain not just the not what it's intended to do it it changes your natural inclination to think a certain way but i'm also going to mention the fact that that could come in hand later when you're thinking he has cy- psychoaffective disorder he stops taking this so his brain is changing back to what's wrong there are very very, 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 very many arguments about this and what it means. All I wanted to do was point out that Prozac actually changes your brain chemistry in a way that's it's, it's up in the air right now, even now, 2020. It's up in the air whether it's a for good or bad, but it's it affects you in a way that you have no control over. So just keep that in mind, whether you take it one way or another, that is something that is a fact and it needs to be known so she said Jessica his girlfriend that he stopped taking Prozac about 3 weeks prior to the shooting she also said that during their 2 year dating cycle whatever you want to they say courtship that's so outdated but whatever she had never once seen him display violent tendencies and she was completely sideswiped by this she was in shock Um, and, and could not, and probably still can't understand. He, she says in quotes, he was anything but a monster. He was probably the nicest, most caring person ever. And here's the thing. He's not like a psychopath or somebody who is, who has a history of this. Like this is a first time thing. I have no doubt that that's who he really is, is what she's describing, which is the worst fucking part of all of this. Like this didn't need to happen. Our job is to find out why it did psychologically, because clearly this mental issue is the number one priority. Okay, not just in this situation, but in so many and hopefully so many more to come that we can stop because of it. So after the shooting, authorities intercepted a number of packages that he sent to her, which included a one of them was a gun holster gun holster and ammunition. Another was a textbook on serial killers for her class. Uh, The book, The Antichrist by Friedrich Nietzsche. I I always forget how to say that. Bear with me. And a final note written for her signed with his given name and family name. So the shooting was baffling to those who knew him, but especially her, because he appeared outgoing and never seemed to have any social problems. It's also, on top of people who knew him, it has completely astounded investigators who have still not found a suicide note. And even some of Kazimer former NIU roommates described him as a quiet man who usually stayed to himself. This is where you can take things like everything I've said, take it with a grain of salt, but they also stated that while fairly normal, they didn't really see him spend much time with other students. Kazmierczak himself described himself as a sensitive person in his personal statement for the University, University of Illinois Graduate School. He also felt victimized during his adolescent years, which he portrayed that in this um, statement that he gave during his uh, U of I stuff, like thesis, think stuff like that. He expressed interest in helping people with mental problems, and he wanted to work with people in quotes, in in need of direction. So although initial reports said that there were no signs, he was considered troubled. I'd like to know the sources on that, which here we go. A story published by Esquire stated that he allegedly had a history of mental illness and attempted suicides, was bullied in high school and had shown an interest in previous school shootings, particularly those that occurred at Columbine High School in Virginia Tech. So, we already know about the mental illness issue with his hospital stay at that w- super long hospital name, which is absolutely absurd. Side note, somebody please change that name. And then the fact that he was diagnosed with uh, psychoaffective disorder. So, then there's a report published by the United States Fire Administration that Kasmerzek is believed to have studied Virginia Tech perpetrator... Oh god, this is embarrassing, because this was also a very important thing in history, and I can't pronounce his name correctly, probably. I'm going to do it anyways, because my embarrassing myself is not on my radar compared to getting this story out there. Swang Hui Cho? Um, So, that man, boy, Girl, I don't even know. I'm guessing man, because that's just kind of like statistics. I will double check that. And if I'm wrong, I'll correct it. You better believe I'm all about facts. Might not say it right, but I am going to give you the correct information. So the shooter at Virginia Tech, he was supposed to have been studying him. And he used a similar modest operandi. Oh, M.O. Um... Okay, so this is where it gets interesting. This is where I'm gonna read, like, take everything I just read to you that sounds so damning and play a little bit of devil's advocate. Simply because that's how my personality works, but also because that's how I see the world. Somebody presents something to me that can be so, like, oh my gosh, if this was fact. Sign the papers, this person's insane, they need to be taken care of. But how many times has something like that happened where somebody has said something like this and so convincingly only to find out it's it's one perspective and that the other perspective or the truth, because there's always three sides, mine, yours, and the truth. So we've got this perspective, another perspective could make it be opposite, and then the truth could be something A mixture or it could be something completely different from that. This is when you can't judge a book by its cover. So Xanax. How many of you have taken Xanax or have been prescribed Xanax or have been curious about Xanax? Raise your hand. My hands raised. I was prescribed it in college when I had panic attacks every day. I'm a perfectionist. I was about to say that I was. That's not true. I'm still a perfectionist, but now I know coping mechanisms and ways to deal with that techniques, how to get through that to where I don't have a panic attack. I've had one recently, but that was a different story. You are stronger than you think. And if you have the right tools, you're having anxiety and needing Xanax does not make you responsible for something like this. Ambient. I've never taken that, but I have taken sleep aids, usually Xanax. Um, and then what was the Adivan? I was pres- prescribed Adivan. Um, here's the thing though side note if you go to a psychiatrist, you, unless you are adamant, like I've been ever since I've not taken any of this stuff. I will not take anything and they know that and that if they prescribe it to me great whatever you have to do to make yourself feel better but I'm not coming to you for a prescription but they still do and that's that is not a stereotype that is true it's sad but it's true Prozac took that in high school I am not ready to talk about what happened with that however it was not good nobody else was effective Affected, but I'm telling you, I'm a normal freaking person and I'm a strong person and I have likes and interests and I'm very intelligent and I'm very determined. And if you were to take my story in high school with this specific incident with Prozac, that I was prescribed, which I didn't even want to go to the doctor and I was forced to, in quotes, by my parents who were just doing the right, what they thought was the right thing. And my parents are amazing. This is what I'm trying to tell you. I can tell you from experience that this cannot be blamed. You can't blame this. And by this, I mean him. Like, all the, You can't look at all these facts and be like, oh, he was fucked up or blah, blah, blah. No, that's not necessarily true at all. And if you listen to everyone who's known him throughout their life, that's not, that's not who he is or who, who he was or who he is to certain people. So then um, let's, let's talk about the fact that he dated somebody seriously on even through like to the shooting. And she is still confused about this and cannot make sense of it. That right there on top of everything else with my own personal experience with all of this shit. I have no doubt that there was something really wrong chemically and it wasn't, I don't want to say his fault because it's not an excuse at all. And I'm not saying that you have to understand. I'm not saying that. But all of this aside, you have to understand it's almost like somebody having diabetes and they're driving a car and they have an attack or they they need insulin or something and then they run through red lights or their foot is stuck on the gas and and they end up hurting and killing people but their body was reacting to chemicals in their body or lack thereof and it's not their fault it's you <laughs> mental illness is exactly the same and it's we're very close to accepting that but it's time to start thinking more and more about that and accepting it and realizing it and doing something with it so another thing the gun and holster wait the gun holster and ammunition i don't know how to explain that that has to be something that's a side effect of this the serial killer textbook if somebody sent that to me i'd be like i'm sorry are you do you want to get married or what's happening here because fuck yeah i will take anything like that i love that shit the antichrist by frederick nietzsche I don't know. It's philosophy. I love philosophy too, so very much. So I don't know that I'd be as excited about the serial killer book, but I'd be excited for sure, 100%. And then the name thing, I don't know. Maybe I'd be like, oh, he's just feeling nostalgic. Who even knows? Like, you can't, it's like trying to find a speck in a whole painting and then like say that this was for sure because of this. You you just can't do that. No suicide note, not happening. Anytime even anyone has an inkling, there's even if it's a shitty note, like I was here or sorry, even just the word sorry. It is human nature, even if you're mentally ill and have a plan to you leave a note, you do something. You and And if you don't, I understand, no, no, we're not all the same, but I just can't get past that too. Uh, which, if that was the only thing, then I'm not swayed because it'd be like, if, if no one was vouching for his character beforehand or all this medicine that's known to change your brain chemistry and change your personality and make you do things that you would not normally do, I'm sorry, but also having an interest in serial killers. Hello, what am I doing? I'm on a, I'm, Recording for a true crime podcast. And a lot of times, our future subjects are ser- serial killers. I mean, come on. That doesn't mean anything. So, the suicide note I get. If it if that were the only thing, I'd be like, shit. I mean, everyone's different, so maybe he didn't want to leave a note. Who knows? Um, and the fact that his roommates um, say that he was quiet and stayed to himself and that he seemed normal but he didn't really spend much time with other students do you guys know what I do every day for the past as long as I can remember since college I get home as soon as I can and I don't even want to text people I don't my mom texts me or calls me love her to death I will answer but I don't want to all the time I want to be alone and I want no one to touch me I don't want anyone to talk to me I don't want anyone to even have me on their mind I want to be on an island all alone with zero sound. I don't want the TV on. I don't want anything. I just want my book, music, but not right away because I need to like cleanse myself of all the sounds I've heard all day. I just want to be alone. That's not weird. It's called being introverted. And if you read, shoot, I need to find her name. I've read her book like 500 times. I can't think of it at the moment when I need it most, but there's been studies done and there's a book about it and she actually writes about how majority of the world at this point in time is um they're pretty sure like i think it's like 85 percent sure that majority of the world is introverted but we're all just trying to adapt to the extroverts because they're more loud they're more seen they're more noticeable and and as an introvert you feel the need to mimic them when really you're the majority. Interesting, am I right? Also, I'm I got to wrap this up because next week we talk about so many more things. Don't you worry, I will leave you feeling not satisfied. This is not satisfying at all. But I will leave you feeling like you've got a bigger picture, you've got some inside scoop, some, because there's so much more inside scoop that I'm not even aware of. But I'll give you what I have. And then you'll also feel more understood or like you can understand somebody else like him or an introvert or anything like that. Anything that you can find in him that you know somebody else who has similar characteristics. All I'm saying is like, to be introverted does not make you a criminal. To be on medicine does not, you know, just but add it all up, stack it all up. And it just is, it's irrefutable almost. There's something going on here. But The fact that they say that and he also showed interest in previous school shootings like Columbine and Virginia Tech. Can I just ask real quick who hasn't? Because if you're obsessed with true crime like myself and you're reading about serial killers all the time and wanting to know more and psychology, that is your dream. Like you live that. You breathe it, you live it, you sleep it, you eat it. It's it's a part of you because you're that is something that has your interest and you want to know more and that's human my husband for example he's a lawyer he, true crime doesn't really he could just like nah meh. He, he couldn't really care less about it he get, he's like eh, well, i'm interested in this or that about certain cases but not like me when it comes to school shootings if if there's a new information piece or something that comes out about it he is on top of that shit because that to him something about it intrigues him. is he gonna go out on a shooting spree? No, if he did, would I be absolutely shocked? Yes, I guarantee you the way I just answered that is how a lot of people who knew Stephen Kamarzak that's how they would answer that about him because that doesn't make you a criminal. It doesn't make. You, it doesn't mean that you're planning that. Does that make sense? If you knew my husband, anyone out there listening, if you knew my husband, if I can't convince you with everything I just said about me or other people or science, if you know him and you can hear that, like, then we're done. Mic drop. We're done. Because that doesn't mean shit. It's just basic human instinct and... It's natural to be curious about stuff like that. Like when one of our own goes astray, why? Because like we know like unless there's something severely wrong with you, which usually shows up at birth or throughout your childhood or early, like you might not be caught, but it'll show up if you're a serial killer or whatever, psychopath, all those things, which you can be a psychopath and not be a serial killer. By the way, we'll talk about that too. Um, that doesn't mean anything. I can tell right now that I'm wanting so badly to make sense, but I'm exhausted and I'm pretty sure I'm not making sense. And I think I've gotten enough of my point across to call it a night, call it an episode, wrap this shit up. That's a wrap. Cut all those things and then come back next week, reconvene, clear up any confusion and then finish the with some good the only good that I can come up with in this situation and that's all I can give you so I hope you enjoyed and by that you know what I mean I hope it made you think I hope it intrigued you I hope it touched you I hope it if it made you angry I'm sorry but I hope it made you so in a way that you want more information about what I'm talking about in this last section um Yeah, I mean, any of that. So if you have any questions or you want to vent, oh, I say this like, oh, scared. I'm a little scared, but go ahead and reach out to me. I will do what I can with what you bring to me, always. So as always, I hope I brought my best self to the table and I plan to do that again next week and wrap this up and clear things up, like I said. So if you do have questions or if you are concerned about something I said, Or anything like that. Send me your concerns. Send me all of your shit. And that way, next week, I can incorporate that and wrap it up and clear things up and get a hold of you or respond to you or something. At least acknowledge you. Okay? I love you all. This was heavy. Do what you got to do to get through it. And hang tight for next week. I promise you, I will leave this on a much much lighter note I still call you. Earth to Brit can be found wherever you go to get your next podcast fix. My handle on Instagram and Facebook is Earth to Brit Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Earth to Brit Pod. Emails can be sent to earthtobrit.podcast at gmail.com. The podcast website is www.anchor.fm slash earth to Brit. Remember, Brit is spelled with two T's. B-R-I-T-T. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Piss out. Who reportedly stopped taking medication recently. Recently? He recently stopped taking medication one and the most important one and the one that is like the mimosa I don't know but I mean that sounds amazing but (laughs) I'm about two seconds away from punching myself in the face this is a yellow wave production